Hello, everyone. Welcome back to The Life Inspired. It is Monday. We are feeling good. And I could not be more excited about our topic for the day. Um, in the past couple of weeks, we have brought up a lot of different topics that led us into talking about faith. And um, so many of my guests come from different faith backgrounds and journeys. Um, and I really wanted to jump into what I believe and the, the faith tradition that I come from and maybe debunk some of the myths about uh, what faith is or isn't. So this week we have a very special guest. She is an activist and community organizer working with unions in Los Angeles. She's lived across the country and is also now one of my pastors. And so I'm really excited to welcome Welcome to our podcast, Bridie Roberts. Hi, Pastor Bridie. Hi, Jace. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us today. How, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day in LA. Oh, good. I, I'm not there. So <laughs> I, I'm glad that I'll be back soon. And I'm really glad to hear that things are going well. Um, before we jump in, we always start our podcast with The News Inspired, where we go over three headlines from the week that are a little bit encouraging, a little bit exciting, and, and do something besides make us frown, because that's what the news can do so often. So should we jump into some headlines? Sounds great. Awesome. So our first headline is that the International Olympic Committee has announced that the Olympics will move forward this summer and they will do so safely with testing and vaccination highlights and that if the games cannot be safe, they won't be held. So I'm very excited. I love the Olympics. I'm an avid watcher each year, really big fan in the summers of table tennis. Um, so I don't know how you feel about the Olympics, but I am very excited to hear that they're going to be happening. I love gymnastics ever since I was a kid. Ever since I was a kid, it's like my favorite. So I'm super curious how they all do that because um, it's mostly indoor. So it should be interesting. I know that one. Yeah, that one will be interesting. Fingers crossed. I hope that everything can stay safe and that it can go. Of course, if they can't do it safely, I'm glad that they'll protect people and keep them at home. But fingers yeah. crossed. Um, the second. Uh, little story for the week. The Ford Motor Company has announced that they will be unveiling a fully electric F-150 pickup truck to do better at protecting our environment. And I love the earth and I'm so glad that they're taking this step to protect it. Wow, that I would love to see that roll out in places like where I grew up, like in Iowa. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I or know. even here in California, you know, in LA, people drive their big trucks at the heart of the city. So, yes, yes, they bought the whole day and I can't have it. <laughs> Uh, the final little bit of news this week is, I don't really know that this one has a headline because while I, while I was scrolling through the news, um, I, I just noticed a lot of things about the end of the tunnel or the, the light at the end of the tunnel for this pandemic and where we're heading with vaccines, transmissions, deaths and hospitalizations in all 50 states in the US are down, worldwide cases of the coronavirus are down and there is still a lot of work to be done. We're still uh, sending a lot of prayers and as much support as we can to places like India. But hopefully within the next few months, globally, we'll have this uh, pandemic under control. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. You know, I, I, it is such good news. And I just hope that people also continue to have the patience that they need to like, so that we all get across the finish line together, you know? Yes. But it is definitely promising. Yes. Super exciting. So exciting. I, I'm 
definitely having to practice that patience when I think about like going outside and I'm like, I'm not that two weeks after that second vaccine is like four days away, I got to put that mask on still, but we're getting there. So I'm very excited. But this has been the news inspired. And I really hope that these are some headlines that put a smile on everyone's face and help them to live the life inspired. So today, though, we are here to talk about faith, specifically faith without fighting. Because especially in the U.S., so often we think about faith and we automatically jump to the Christian uh, religious tradition and so much hurt that comes with that. So, Pastor Bridie, I know that you have quite a background with the church. Uh, and so if you could just start by telling us a little bit about your faith journey um, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, you know, I was raised in a home where we were Christian, but not particularly like big churchgoers until I was around 10 or 11 years old. And, um, you know, it was always, it was interesting because for much of my life, my mom was a single mom until she remarried around that time. And, you know, it's, it's hard when you're a working parent to be able to go to church and integrate those things into your kids' lives. But faith was important to her. Um, and, you know, our first experience that I remember as a kid with the church was when she was still single. And we had moved to the Midwest from Miami, Florida, which was a really different kind of experience, especially in the 80s. Like the people in Mankato, Minnesota found oh. folks from Miami to be a little bit exotic, you know. <laughs> um, and so, you know, there's some stuff about that. And the church that we started going to was a Lutheran church because my mom had been raised in Lutheran church on the East Coast, which was pretty open, pretty liberal. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. Um, I felt this instant connection with God. I was excited by the things I was learning, I felt a kinship there, but there was also something that was a little bit off. Um, And in this particular church, they did not allow women to speak freely. They didn't serve on committees. They weren't in leadership. And my mom didn't know this, you know, she came from a Lutheran church where that, that was the case where women were in leadership. And um, the pastor actually visited her home and um, had a talk with her about, you know, pretty much piping down (laughs) a little bit like, um, and, and setting a better example for her kids. And, and if she felt the need to speak up in church, to let him speak for her. Wow. Yeah. And so the next week we became Methodists. (laughs) (laughs) She had three daughters, um, and she wasn't going to do that. Um, and so, and it just didn't fit. Right. And, you know, as an adult, looking back on it, it doesn't fit at all with my understanding of the way God calls us to participate in the world and mm-hmm. um, who Jesus represents. But we ended up in a United Methodist Church, and that's where my journey really began with this denomination. Um, and as a person of faith, you know, I always felt this sort of like call to justice work. And I really felt it was rooted in the way that I was taught about Jesus um, and how I was encouraged to really explore that call. And for me, like I think in the middle school years, it began with activism around HIV and AIDS um, and also LGBTQ work in Sioux City, Iowa. We were in Iowa by that time. Wow. Um, And really thinking about and seeing the church to me as a source for change, as a source to create, um, you know, a real path towards justice, because I really felt that's what Jesus was calling me to do. And that's what I thought I was being taught. Um, But even at that, like tender age, seeing the conflict within the church, 
about being able to respond mm-hmm. to that call. So I was involved in these sort of like justice activities, which definitely existed outside the church's orbit because God was calling me to that place. And I was learning to call a church, but the church hadn't quite found a space to include those ministries, mm-hmm. um, you know, around HIV, around AIDS, around LGBT justice issues, um, much more ready to talk about racism and poverty and all kinds of other things. Um, and so even from a young age, I was finding that sort of like inspiration in my faith, that walk in my faith from the church, really called to it, um, but finding the practice of it challenging um, in that mm-hmm. space. So even while that was happening, though, the church continued to affirm my desire to work in those spaces, to challenge the church, to bring uncomfortable topics to the church. And we moved around a lot when I was a kid, and we ended up at this wonderful church in Des Moines, Iowa called First United Methodist Church. And before we started attending there, we did like some church shopping. Mm. (laughs) And the reason we chose that faith home was that, um, and this was in the mid nineties, right? It was, it was one of the few churches that had an active um, AIDS ministry Mm. and every Sunday, not every Sunday, once one month, Sunday a month, they had a full on healing service in the sanctuary for anybody who's, I mean, anybody could come but it was really focused on HIV and AIDS and the experience that people were having. And it include like communion, the laying on of hands, the anointing with oils, hugging, you know, just so many things that in the beginning of the AIDS crisis, the HIV crisis, people were denied by friends and family and their church. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was such a message about, you know, where, where we are called to be. And that became our church home. And that church is the first church that put me in the pulpit. It's the church that encouraged me to go to seminary. Um, and no, no, it just became a reconciling church a few years ago, but you know, it was never, ever like the most progressive church in the block, but when it came to walking the walk, they did it. Wow. You know, so I think my journey is really tied into that. And my faith activism first, first um, really came out in those issues, but then has really evolved to include things around immigration, worker justice, economic justice. And my ministry has really been both in the congregation and out in the streets mm-hmm. um, and organizing for change. Wow, that's that's really amazing. And I think just the, again, faith is a really deep topic, but just hearing you talk about some of the things that you're inspired to do in the church and and that your faith has led you to, I think is so contradictory to what most people believe when they think about the Christian church in America. Um, And I know you mentioned Methodism, so the Methodist church. And I think it's important um, just as we go forward for people to understand that every Christian church in the world has different beliefs. even within the Methodist faith, but but mm-hmm. Methodists as a whole would have some central core pillars of belief, right? Yes, that's right. And so that is the largest uh, Protestant, so non-Catholic Christian faith in, in the world, correct? It, yes, basically. I think the Mormons have us on the run. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Yeah, I really think they're, I think they're bigger at this point, but I, they're also not classified as like straight, like sort of like mainline denomination. Sure. They're quite large, but the United Methodist um, denomination is the largest Protestant denomination. So they represent, represent a good chunk of Christians. So maybe could, if there were just like a handful, like three, four, five key pillars of faith that the Methodists have, what do you think those would be since since they represent so many Christians? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, there's a lot there. Um, you know, there are four ways that we interpret and emphasize, um, uh, faith in our tradition, right. That we think are really important. Um, and sometimes it's called the quadrilateral because it's four things and none is more important than the other. They all sort of help us uh, work together. It by uh, help us to understand God and help us to understand our relationship with God and our relationship with each other and our faith. Mm-hmm. One is of course the scriptures, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we believe that the scriptures are divinely inspired, um, but we understand the scriptures in a many different ways, right? It is, it is not just reading the words from the page, um, we think that we need other pieces there to help us understand how God is talking to us, how God has continued to talk to us. Right. The scripture is important. Tradition, um, which means the actual practice of faith and how it has evolved, what we have learned over the centuries. Um, reason, which means that we need to bring our intellect uh, to the study of scripture and to the practice of faith. We have to be thoughtful and we have to ask questions and we need to be willing to grapple with the hard parts of things. We need to be able to grapple with doubt, right? All of these things. Um, and experience, which means that our lived experience matters in our understanding of God and each other. And so instead of just being like this monolith that like, this is what the Bible says and that's what you have to do. Um, in our tradition, we're like actually really encouraged to be full people and to like, you know, to, to look at the, what we've learned through our traditions, learn from the mistakes, learn from um, the gifts of, and experiences of others. We're supposed to actually think about our relationship with God and how we experience it in the world. We're supposed to use our intellect and, and really, I think, challenge scripture and challenge other things when we know that what we're reading or what we're seeing out in the world that people put forth as God's mandate is wrong, you know, um, it's, it's, we believe that we can use our reason to really challenge that. And so it, it, it is not enough, we believe, it, to really be in this practice of faith, you know, to just take one of these things. Mm-hmm. We need all of them. And what I, what I like about our tradition, too, is that, you know, it's an applied faith. You get more out of it by doing it. Um, yeah. You know, and being in relationship with each other and, and, just going out to the world, you know, we believe that um, God's love and grace is for all people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that comes to us regardless. And I think this is fundamental, regardless of who we are or what our life has been like, we are God's beloved, right? Yeah. Um, and that grace is meant for each and every one of us. But when we allow that grace to work in our life, when we allow ourselves to be forgiven for the things that hold up, you know, that we feel we attach ourselves to the broken things mm-hmm. when we forgive others, when we find space for healing, when we let God's grace shift us and change us. And then we actually do something with that. Mm-hmm. We change as people in a, in a fundamental way. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's so powerful. And I love that you mentioned experience because I think that's something that so often lots of, of faith communities want to leave out. They don't want to think about what have we learned? What can we improve? What have we lived through? Um, and there's a pass. Oh goodness. It's in the old Testament. You might know it better than me, but there's a passage that says like test everything and keep what is good. And mm. it's not like just do what we've always done, you know? Um, so kind of going into that and now understanding what some of the, the core beliefs of us, of this big group of Christians is, 
I want to dig a little bit into the past. Um, the whole point of this podcast is inspiration and things that inspire us in life. But I think to understand that, we need to kind of go back and see where we've gone wrong. And so one of the things I know you and I have mentioned is that the church has hurt people. Mm-hmm. So can you, di- I mean, obviously that is thousands of years of history yeah. that we need to go into, but can you dig a little bit into why you think so many people are offended or hurt by the church? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's, I mean, there are many reasons, but I'll just sort of like focus on two areas. And when, I think when we say the church, I want to be clear, we're not just talking about the denomination that, mm. you know, we participate in. I think right. you know, th- this is, this is the, and, and we're, ta- I'm talking from a Christian perspective because I'm a Christian pastor and that's my experience. Um, you know, there are many, and I, I'll be really clear. Like, I believe there are many ways to know God. Um, but for this question, I will focus on the church because that's our experience, right? Mm-hmm. One, I think the church has hurt people because it, and it has hurt people. Let's be clear because it is an institution built by humans. <laughs> um, right. It's built dedicated to God. It's whole idea is hopefully to carry out the work of God in the world, the healing work of God in the world to amplify and, and lift that message and, and, and offer people the freedom that can come with knowing that you are deeply loved. Right. Um, but also that super important work of building the beloved community and doing restoration and seeking justice. This is what Jesus has called us to do. But we humans, like we turn it into an institution and it is as flawed as we are, as any human institution is, any employer, any um, nonprofit organization, any labor union, which I'm a part of, any like institution built by humans is as flawed as its creators. Um, and the church from its medie- like beginning to the medieval times to now has been hurtful towards women. It's been hurtful towards people of color. It has approved slavery. Um, it has uh, approved and, and encouraged um, the criminalization of love between same-sex people. Uh, the church is currently involved. And I say the church, I want to be really generic because this is not all people of faith and not all churches, but we know that the religious community has participated in driving legislation that discriminates against trans people, you know, against all kinds of people who in some way, some people feel um, don't deserve full equality. But that is not God's message. And I actually don't even think that is always the church, like the air quotes of the church's message. Mm. I think that's what comes out of greed and fear and the darkness that does lie in the hearts of men and women in all places. Yeah. Um, so I, I just think it's just important to acknowledge that that has happened. Right. Um, so, you know, I think it's because it's a human run institution and we're mm-hmm. flawed. Right. I think the other thing is that um, there's a struggle for power always in all places that are powerful. And, you know, if you, if you know the history of the rise of European governments, it's intricately related to the church. The church stopped being sort of just like this vessel of God. It became a power broker. Mm-hmm. You know? like, yeah. um, and in this country that we live in the United States, people want to hold on to their power and, and try to claim the church in that space um, as well. So you know, I think it's, it's complicated yeah. and difficult and wrong. Um, but I also think that at the same time that the church is, has hurt people, the church also has worked so hard always in different ways to change people's lives and to be engaged with people where they're at. You know, I think the the real problem is like, and this is the second part, 
is that we who consider ourselves to be liberal Christians or progressive Christians, or I would just say Christians who follow the gospel, right, who believe in inclusive church, who believe that God loves all people and that there's not, it's not, um, you know, despite of a flaw, but sometimes um, because we need everything that that person is bringing to the table, we Christians who don't believe in that philosophy of like, love the sinner, hate the sin, right? But instead choose to be with people in their full personhood. We Christians who believe that lesbian, gay, transgendered, bisexual, queer people deserve full life in the church and to be affirmed completely for who they are. Um, we don't speak up enough. We will march in the street and be activists and fight, but we won't claim our faith as the reason that we're doing it. We don't feel like we should intrude in politics and in social conversation on the basis of our faith. We don't evangelize the truth that we know because evangelism has become a really challenging concept that is often associated with colonialism and domination and for many reasons, right? But, you know, I believe that there is a justice gospel that calls us to transformation and to knock down the doors that would would block other people's freedom, right? And the only way someone else is going to know that I believe that because it comes from my faith and that's what my faith teaches me is if I tell them that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think that's another big piece of it is that those of us who fight for those things often don't equate it to the fact that we're getting that calling um, from a spirit that is not just our own, you know, kind of keep it private. Liberal Christians keep their faith private. Yeah. Conservative Christians are super public. Yeah. No, that's so true. And there's so much that you just unpacked, but I think a big part of it was you talked a lot about how faith truly is um, a calling to to do good. And because we believe in a God who is good, we know that our job, our job is to pursue justice and to love and to accept and affirm people. I think a lot of people think that the church is about rules. Um, and I, I, for one, you know, I do believe because of my belief in God, that there are some rules, there is an objective wrong and an objective right, but I know that that's not the focus. So what would you say to someone who maybe is scared of church or of Christians or of God, because they think that they maybe haven't followed all the rules that they've always been taught they need to follow? I would say that Jesus only had one commandment for all of us, and it was to love your neighbor as I have loved you to love, you know, as you love yourself, as I have loved you, right? Mm -hmm. Love your neighbor. That's the rule. That's the guiding principle. Mm -hmm. No. And it's a powerful, it's a powerful commitment. It's a powerful rule. Right. Right. Um, Because it really asks us to believe in our best selves and to believe that our love is worthy, that other people need it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, that we have something to share with other people. It asks us to see the hunger and the desire and the need and, you know, sometimes the loneliness, whatever someone else is experiencing and risk a little bit of ourselves to lean into it and see what we can offer. Mm-hmm. It doesn't ask us to be people who have solutions to the problems of the world. It doesn't ask us like, you know, all it just asks us to love. And so, you know, I think, I think that's really important to understand, right? That is the piece that we're called to do. And it changes us. You know what? People do change. There are, you know, I mean, the, the truth is there are a lot of things in our lives that separate us from being happy, from our own happiness, right? You know, um, 
in the church, we talk a lot about, well, I don't talk a lot about it, but people talk a lot about sin, right? The concept yeah. of sin, right? Yes. And I think sin is real. And for me, the definition of sin that I roll with and that much, many of my clergy colleagues, especially at our church roll with, is that sin is what separates us from God. Mm-hmm. Right. Not from the love of God. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. We put that in our own mind, that we did something that makes us undeserving, right? Mm-hmm. So usually those activities that make us feel more isolated, um, less than who we are, less than who we want to be, um, or that hurt other people or cause brokenness between each other, you know, that's, that's the kind of stuff that separates us. And the, the separating is not being done by God. It's being done by us. You know, right. We feel embarrassed or ashamed or uncertain or unworthy or whatever it is. Right. Um, There's also structural sin. And I, and I want to name this, right. And we see it in our society. We see the way that when we make choices that are not based in love, when we make choices that are based in like serving ourselves or in greed or, you know, hunger for power or whatever, not only does it impact our lives, it contributes to a culture that gets really broken, you know, and I see it here in Los Angeles. We have a huge crisis of people living unhoused. We have 60,000 people a night sleeping on the streets for folks who aren't in LA. And these are not invisible people, you know, outside my apartment here in Koreatown, there's an encampment. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how folks ended up there. I could, I could give a whole lot list of reasons why, and everybody has their own path. But I also know that we live in a city right now with actually tens of thousands of empty available luxury units. Right. And um, no one's, no one's making the connection. (laughs) Get those people into those units. Right. And so that's where the breakdown is and where that breakdown is that contributes to human suffering. I see that as sin, structural sin in our world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, that's such a good point. Wow, what a great testimony from Pastor Bridey. And she always amazes me with how well she says some of the things that I'm thinking. You know, Pastor Bridey and I did this podcast episode because one of the things that I'm most passionate about and one of the things that inspires me the most every day to get out of bed is making sure that the world knows that the Christian faith is about love. And so often, The church is associated with rules and hate and condemning people. And believe me, as a gay person who grew up in the Midwest in a very religious area, I will be the first to tell you that the church can be a very hurtful and very uncomfortable place for a lot of people. But that's not what it was meant to be. And true Christianity and and true faith in God is about loving God and loving other people and and that's it. And so I really hope that from today's episode and from our chat with Pastor Bridie, you took that away that our faith, our true faith is not about hate. And I hope that that inspires you to look into faith and look into Christianity and really challenge what we've been taught and what we've learned in our lives and understand that there is so much more to it. Next week, I'll be joined by Pastor Bridie again. We'll pick up our same conversation that we've just started. 
and we'll continue our discussion, um, but talk more about the practical things that the church is doing uh, to be a light and an inspiration in this world. We'll also talk about a little bit of activism and some resources for people who are maybe curious about what faith looks like. So join us next week for that chat. Before we go, I wanted to do a very special lightning round. And for today's lightning round, I'm digging back through my theology classes that I had to take in Bible college um, to find some surprising facts about Jesus. Because I think, again, he gets such a bad reputation and so many people don't want to even talk about him, but he's a really interesting guy um, who did a lot of great things. So for today's lightning round, we're doing three fun facts about Jesus that might surprise you. So fact number one is that Jesus never condemned drinking. And uh, so many churches get a reputation for telling people that it's wrong to drink, uh, but we forget that the first miracle that Jesus performed in the Bible was turning water into wine. And uh, of course, times were different, things were different, but Jesus never condemned drinking and there are plenty of recordings of him and his followers drinking wine. So I don't think we need to be super scared of that. And if you are a person who says, I can't even look at a church because, you know, they would condemn me for drinking, just know Jesus, Jesus isn't really mad about that. Um, number two, there is actually a story in the Bible where Jesus talks about hermaphrodites or transgender people. Um, they didn't, of course, have a lot of terminology back then for anybody who didn't meet the typical uh, two-sex binary system. Um, but Jesus talks about uh, people of faith who he calls eunuchs since birth and researchers and historians agree that this is Jesus referencing the faith of probably hermaphrodites or transgender people. And so for people who don't fit into a heteronormative stereotypical binary system, know that Jesus brings you up in the Bible and talks about faith of people just like you. And it shows how inclusive he was and his love continues to be today. And then our third fun fact about Jesus is just a reminder that when he came, the system he was up against was the system that was all about rules and condemning people and telling people that they weren't righteous or pure or worth love because of who they were and what they had done and he came up against that system that was his whole life from his birth through his death the reason that he was put to death everything that jesus did was to remind very religious people that it wasn't them who got to judge other people and it wasn't them who got to make rules or enforce rules but instead that we are here to love one another and to love god and that as long as we do that it, the rest is between us and God, you know. I just think that's such an important thing for us all to remember and for everyone to know because so often people in this world struggle with feeling unworthy or unloved by anyone and everyone was loved by Jesus and as a person of faith I want you to know that I love you and this took a very sentimental turn but I think that's a really important thing for us to remember about Jesus and his life and what he taught. So. 
Thank you again for listening to today's episode. Thank you for listening to our lightning round. Um, You can follow The Life Inspired on Facebook and Instagram. If you're not already, go ahead and visit us at The Life Inspired Pod. Um, You can also go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a nice review if you enjoy the show. Like I said, join us again next week for a continuation of our chat about faith without fighting as we explore what the Christian faith is about and more practical ways that we can show love. And we'll also get into some of the terms that we went over today that maybe you don't know because they're church terms. We call it Christianese. It'll be fun. We'll get into it next week. So thanks again for listening. I hope that you all have amazing weeks. I hope that today's episode puts a smile on your face and that it helps you to live the life inspired. Thanks so much.